Our New Testament reading is from Luke chapter 1. And a special thank you to our musicians. Um, you know, it's sort of goofy not singing, especially Christmas carols, but I, I was just struck by thinking this, and I think it's good to remember this, that um, we have these regulations sometimes we don't understand, and, and yet that doesn't change the fact that we are called to be an example, that we are called to respect the authority God has placed over us, and so we go forward as best we can. And I want to encourage you, we'll have two more songs after the sermon tonight, to encourage you to use these times as a time to meditate on what these words mean, meditate on what these songs we've been singing, many of us, our whole lives, um, and how joyful and wonderful they are. And so with that, let's also hear then this passage from Luke chapter 1, a passage that many of us have heard every Christmas for years, and let us look at it with eyes that remember and think about the great things God has done. And so in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we begin. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and we will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, this passage, our title tonight for our sermon as we head into Christmas week is The King Reigns Forever, or This King Reigns Forever. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent, and it's sort of hard to believe that this year is almost over, right? Um, and And I hope at some level, You either plan to, either you've taken time to reflect on this year, or you plan to take some time to reflect on this year, because it's been an interesting one, right? Um, I hope you take time to consider all the things you've learned this year, right? I hope you take time to mourn that which was lost this year, um, to rejoice, to mourn. Take time to reflect. And the reason I think this is so important, I try to do this every year, and, and, and I think this is really important, and I think it's important in many ways. It's important for us to do this about life, but it's also important for us to be able to reflect on a passage like this that we may be really familiar with. It's really important for us to spend time reflecting on something that we may feel, you know, I already know this. Why is Sam preaching on Luke chapter 1? You know? But let's take time. I want to encourage you to reflect on your own life in the coming weeks about things that have happened this year, good and bad. And I also want us tonight to reflect on this passage, what it might mean for us this year, and what it teaches us about this king and his kingdom 
that will last forever. It starts in verse 26. Luke writes that when Elizabeth was pregnant, and if you haven't read this in a while, um, <coughs> excuse me, when Elizabeth was pregnant, who was a relative of Mary, who was John the Baptist's mom, mentioned earlier in Luke chapter 1, um, says she was about six months ahead of Mary, that an angel came to Mary. And an angel tells Mary that she has found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now this is really interesting because it doesn't actually tell us anything about Mary before this, right? It's great for Mary. Hey, you have the favor of God. That's awesome. Good news. Verse 29, but Mary, like many, when she saw an angel, was what? Kind of afraid, greatly troubled. What does this mean? You know, but the angel says, hey, don't be afraid. Angel says again, you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. No mention why. What has Mary done that's so great? We don't know, but apparently that she's very well thought of by God that, that an angel has visited her. So do not be afraid. And, and, and the angel continues in verse 31 to say, don't worry because you're going to have a son and his name will be Jesus. Oh, and by the way, verse 32 and 33, he's not just going to be any son. He's going to be pretty great. He's going to be called the son of God. He will be given the very throne of David that both of these passages, both the psalm and 2 Samuel talked about. He'll be given the throne of David, the throne of Israel. He will be the ruler of Israel. Oh, and one more thing, his kingdom is going to last forever. <laughs> Pretty good news. Your son is not just going to be anything, he's going to be something. And of course, her response is what any of our response would have been if we were a teenage girl and an angel visited us and told us that we were going to have a baby. How? <laughs> Very logical response. How can this be since I am a virgin? Right? Very logical, practical response. And, and, and the angel answers, as if, as if the whole like throne of David ruling over the world forever wasn't enough, then the angel says, um, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be a Holy Spirit baby. Oh, that answers all my questions. Right? <laughs> oh, thanks for helping me out with this one. That makes perfect sense. That the Spirit of God is going to come upon me, and that's how I'm going to have a baby. Great. This makes great sense. Uh, <laughs> I think this passage is fantastic. But then... Not only is it going to be this sort of miraculous Holy Spirit baby, but oh, and by the way, just so you know, um, sort of as proof, but this isn't only happening to you. Um, you have a family member named Elizabeth, who's in her old age, who's never been able to have kids, and by the way, she's also having a baby. If you have doubts, maybe you should go and talk to her. And he says, just remember, Mary, I know this is weird, I know this is hard to believe. Verse 37, just remember, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary, to her credit, says, all right, I'm in. It's good enough for me. And I absolutely love the sort of wildness and craziness of this story. See, we hear it every year, so it gets really familiar. But when we start talking about it, you realize this is a little out there. Right? This is a little bit crazy. Also considering, remember, women in, the, in, in ancient biblical times did not wait till their 30s and had their career to get married. Um, 12, 14, maybe 15? 
Like, it's a pretty mature response. And this is a pretty crazy story. I would really love to know the conversations Mary had with her family after this, right? Wait, so, okay, so tell me again what happened, Mary, right? Or like, see their faces when she tells them this. Oh, hey, um, so I'm going to have a Holy Spirit baby. What? Yeah, yeah, an angel came and told me I'm going to have a Holy Spirit baby. Huh? Hmm, right? Or like, what did the neighbors think? What did the relatives think? Um, I always wonder if she had a friend that kind of came to her and was like, hey, tell me what really happened. You know, you can tell me, it's okay. She's like, Holy Spirit, baby. Oh, okay, sure. You know, but I wonder all these things. I wish we had this. We don't have it. Maybe we'll find out at some point. But I really wanted to point out this, this thing about her relationship with Elizabeth and how the angel reminds her of her, her, her family member, her cousin, whatever it was, Elizabeth. And it helps actually illuminate this story and, and it helps us understand how this could be understandable. See, it's one of those things where, honestly, if you think about it, if there was one instance of a miracle, you sort of think, wow, that's too, hard, that's too amazing to believe. But God, in his infinite wisdom, kind of does two things simultaneously with two women who are related who would know each other. And, and what's amazing about this to me is that equally unbelievable, Mary, who, has, who it says she is a virgin and, and, and is pl- pledged to be married, but they've not consummated their marriage yet, is, is going to be pregnant. But then also equally difficult to believe is that a woman in her advanced age who has been unable to have children her whole life is also pregnant. They were both told by God, by an angel, and, and, and they were both praised for their faithfulness. And what's amazing is that God gave them each other to increase their faith. This would have been a very difficult thing, right? For both of them. And yet God gave them each other in this instance. God, as we read this story, reveals to us that this is not just a single occurrence, but that God did both of these things at the same time. I think in many ways that they would have each other. And if you read on, of course, they meet up. And then there's this wonderful encouragement and Mary sings her song and all of these other things. And, and I wanted to mention this first before we move on to the second thing I want to talk about and, and, and just remind us, this is a very powerful detail about community. This is a powerful detail in the story that we sometimes forget about, about having other people to go through life with. You know, oftentimes we feel like what we're going through is unique that no one else has our burdens, no one else has our struggles, that no one else will understand us. And yet here in this story, we realize that even with an angelic visitation and a miraculous pregnancy in this moment, nor Mary or Mary nor Elizabeth was alone. See, church, there's oftentimes we just don't understand what God is doing in our life. But Christmas reminds us, not just about the coming of Christ and the amazingness of it, but Christmas, and this story specifically, reminds me that when we are in community with one another, when we are sharing life with one another, we realize we are not the only ones. We realize we are not alone. Right? And and the world may think one thing. You know, Mary's neighbors may have thought one thing. Elizabeth's Family may have thought this was very odd and hard to believe. All of these things, who knows what other people were saying, but when the two of them got together in these weird circumstances, as the story goes on, what happens? It says the baby inside Elizabeth leaps at the presence of Mary and the Holy Spirit was with them and it was like a little worship service later in the story of Luke. 
And so I want to encourage you, church. Have you ever experienced this? Have you ever been going through something difficult or unique in your life where you thought you were alone? You thought that no one would understand you, but then in Christian community, you found comfort and understanding. You found support. And if you haven't, I encourage you to seek it out because it is there. You have brothers and sisters who go through what you go through, who have the doubts and struggles that you have. This is a gift of Christian community. And so when we think about the kingdom of Christ lasting forever, one of the important things about that kingdom is that it is together with one another, mutually beneficial and supporting of each other. Mary had Elizabeth. Elizabeth had Mary. And we have each other. That's the first thing I wanted to point out tonight. And some of you may immediately say, okay, Pastor Sam, I hear you, but that's not my experience, right? I've never had an angel visit me. In fact, I've never had a miracle like this. I just go through normal stuff that stinks. Let me tell you something. This is the second thing I want to share with you. Not only do you have brothers and sisters in Christ to go through life with, but you have indeed had a miracle happen to you. Each and every single one of us has had a miracle take place in our lives. And we see that in this story too. The angel shows up and the thing the angel says to Mary is what? Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This word favored, as it's written here in Greek, is actually only used twice in the Bible. The other place it's used is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, when the Apostle Paul is telling the people of Ephesus that God has bestowed or given them the gift of grace. It's like a gift or an endowment to the children of God. It's like saying, greetings you who have been given God's grace. It's like the angel showed up and said to Mary, hey Mary, greetings, you have been given the grace of God. That's essentially what the angel is saying to her. And then later the angel says, you have found what? Favor. Now this is a little different word, and this word favor is regularly translated as grace and favor interchangeably. Which is really interesting to me, because what the angel is saying to Mary, you have the grace of the Lord. The miracle on your life, Mary, what made you so favorable was nothing you did, was nothing you earned. It wasn't this wonderful holiness you had displayed in your first 14 years on earth. No, it was the very grace of God that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will bear this child. See, let's remember, in the human world, or in like the worldly economy we, we live in, we think of favor as being something we earn, don't we? You get a new boss, you want to earn favor. You want to do a good first project. You want to have a good bottom line in your business. You get a new professor or a new advisor. You want to do well. You want to make sure they know you're a hard worker. You want to be on time, hardworking. All of these things are good. But we do these things to think of earning favor in the world. Right? But that is not the case with our Lord Jesus. That is not the case in God's economy. We know from Scripture, and we have heard this over and over again, but let us hear it again here on Christmas, on Advent. We do not earn the favor of God or the grace of God. For it is by grace, or it is by God's favor, 
that you have been saved. Not through your works. See, one day the angel, this is what's so good about this passage. One day the angel shows up and says to Mary, did you know that the grace of God is upon you? You who have the grace of God on your life. In church, for you and for me, not only does God give us other people to go through life with, like Mary and Elizabeth, but then God also comes into our life in the person of Jesus Christ and says to you, you are highly favored. You know, sometimes it's hard to identify with Mary because we think an angel never visited me. I don't have some miracle Holy Spirit baby. But you have unmerited favor. You have unearned grace from the Lord Jesus Christ upon your life. And the same that existed for Mary exists for us through Jesus. This miracle that we all have is why Advent is so, 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 so amazing. This is why we take four or five weeks every single year to remember the coming of Christ because the coming of Christ shows us the incarnation of God, God becoming flesh, walking among us to show us his character. And it's all right here in this book. How we should live, how we should treat one another, how we should, you know, everything. A couple of examples I thought of while I was thinking through this passage, was in the book of James. In the book of James, chapter 4, he writes, he's actually quoting Proverbs 3, so it's also in Proverbs 3. It says that humility actually attracts the favor of God. Humility actually brings us more grace in our lives. And, and if we understand that favor and grace is not something we earn, that it was given to us in Jesus, we need to understand then that, that, that how we live this out Like, we have this miracle in our life, but how do we actually live it? That's a difficult thing, right? We need to know that through Christ, through his scriptures, through all the things he says, we can actually access more of this grace. We can experience more of this grace. James continues in in, in chapter 4, verse 10, and says that if we humble ourselves before God, he will what? Lift us up. See, when we think about Jesus' kingdom lasting forever, when we think about Advent and all of these themes we've been talking about, we realize that the number one gift, the number one thing that we can rest in, in Advent and in Christ's kingdom that lasts forever, is this freely given favor or grace, this miracle that God bestows upon us as he gave it to Mary. And then he says, it's all here. To you and to me today, if you honestly want to know how to do this, how do I live in this grace? How do I follow Mary's example? It's all here for us. Every single thing is here for us. And I thought of a really funny example that actually reminded me of this that all of us can probably identify with. Maybe it's not funny for you, but it's funny for me. Have you ever received an email from a friend or a colleague who clearly did not read the previous email you sent? And they ask you a question. And you sort of look at your computer and you're just like, if you would have read the previous email, you wouldn't even be asking me this question right now. And then your response is, thank you for your email. Please see previous email, sort of in like a snarky typing tone, you know. Please see previous email for the answer to your question. And then let me know if you have any further questions, right? 
<laughs> Has anyone else ever done this? I've had it done to me before I admit. Um, someone has written me and says, please see previous email. And then immediately I feel about this big. And I'm like, oh, I didn't read it carefully. Right? Or, we, or we do it to someone else because we get frustrated. People don't read these things. People don't read all of this stuff we're trying to do. Um, and we respond with a little bit of an attitude. Right? If I'm honest, take out the attitude and the sarcasm. But if we take out the attitude and the sarcasm and we look to God, and you look and you say, God, how do I understand this kingdom that will have no end? How do I live Advent every single day? How do I do the things like Mary? How do I live in the grace and the favor of God? And it's almost like God sort of says to us, Please see this book, and then get back to me if you have further questions. Take a look. Read about the things I have done. Look at the things I have said. Look at the things I have promised you in the unmerited favor and grace I have bestowed upon your life. And then if you have further questions, let me know. I just thought that was perfect for me because I know that I complain and I worry. And sometimes I doubt that this king will actually live forever. Sometimes I doubt that I will actually be cared for. Sometimes I worry about what's going to happen. And he says, hey, Sam, um, please refer to previous promises made to you. Please look at Mary and Elizabeth and see what I did in their life. And, and, and then ask me. He does it much more graciously than I would do it in an email, though. You see... The same humility in Mary is the humility God calls us to have before him because God is offering us the same favor and the same grace. And the craziest thing to me is that God has already offered us this grace and this favor, right? He, he did it so long ago that it, it, all is up to us is to accept it, right? And in our humility, God calls us to believe the promise that God is giving us the same way Mary that his kingdom will last forever, that he will care for us the same way he has cared for all of these people. And our humility before God is what leads to our understanding this favor and grace from this king. Because we know it's not earning. It's already there. And lastly, I just want to say this as sort of a caveat because I don't want any one of us to think that this makes life any easier. Remember, having God's grace and favor does not mean that we get what we want. Because I'm pretty sure that Mary did not want to have a kid right away before she was married. I'm, I'm pretty positive that this was a difficult thing for her. This would not have been her first choice. But we need to understand that the favor of the Lord is not God giving us what we want, but God calling us into this kingdom that lasts forever. God calling us to be a part of this kingdom that will last forever while we're still here on earth. The favor of the Lord, the grace from the king who will reign forever. And it often means actually overcoming our own plans and desires. It means putting what we want in second place and putting what God wants in first place and humbly going to him and living in the grace he has given us. Church, don't ever think that God has not given you a miracle. Don't ever think that I read the story of Mary and how could I have the same faith because God never gave me a miracle. No, God gave you a miracle. God gave me a miracle. 
God came to us and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Here is my son, Jesus Christ, who lived, who showed you how to do these things, who, who, who lived a perfect life for you and then died for you so that you would have the same favor and grace. It's a miracle that none of us deserve, but it has been freely given to us. And this is why Advent, as I said, is so, 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 so amazing. Advent is a miracle, not just to Mary and to Elizabeth, but to all of us. And this is what Jesus promises. This is what this king who will reign forever promises us. That we will have his favor, that we will have his grace. And his is the kingdom. A kingdom of grace and mercy that will last forever. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for this miracle. Thank you for surrounding us with brothers and sisters in Christ to walk through life with. Thank you for giving us people in our life that understand what we're going through. And thank you for giving us a miracle of grace. It's hard for us to understand. The world may have their own opinion of what it means. But surround us with brothers and sisters in Christ who understand what it means and encourage and lift us up. God, thank you for the miracle of your favor, for the miracle of your grace. May we go forward in humility. May we look to your word and to your precepts and to your example to learn what it means to live in this grace. May your kingdom be forever, Lord, and may we forever be in your grace. Amen.